own, and our fathers have told us. Look at verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. You may be seated tonight. In just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about that subject, reaching the next generation. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be here this evening. And God, we, we're, we're, just, we're just thankful. We're, we're so thankful. God, you've been so good to us. God, you've blessed us and then you've turned around and you've blessed us again. And Lord, you've blessed us over and above and beyond what we can even ask or think. And God, just when it seems like you've done your greatest work, God, it's like you turn around and you do something else. It just, uh, Lord, that just amazes us. And so, Heavenly Father, we praise you tonight for your marvelous works. We praise you for your strength, for your greatness. God, we praise you for your provision. And Heavenly Father, as we move forward in 2024, God, I pray that you would do great and mighty things at the Calvary Baptist Church. We plead the blood of Jesus over this ministry. And God, pray that you'd put a hedge of protection around us and that you would guide us every step. God, that you would provide every penny. Lord, that you would help this place to be a Christ-honoring place, a soul-saving station. Lord, a place where, uh, Lord, where the gospel will always be proclaimed and heralded. Spirit of God, I pray that you have liberty, not only here tonight, but I pray that you have liberty here throughout 2024. And God, I pray that you'd keep us on the firing line until we hear the trumpet sound and you call us home. Spirit of God, please now hide this preacher behind the cross. I pray that you'd captivate my mind, control my mind tonight. And I pray all that's done would honor you and glorify you and that Jesus would be pleased through all that's said and done. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Well, before we get into the scripture tonight, I want you to notice what, what's known as the superscription, if you will, Psalm 78. And you'll notice right under, at least most of your Bibles do, right underneath Psalm 78, you'll see the words masculine of Asaph, masculine of Asaph, which just simply means this, that Asaph, God used Asaph to write this psalm. Uh, Asaph was one of the uh, Oh, we would probably refer to him as the song director or song leader. He was the chief Levite musician under King David. And the word mascal just simply means that this is a didactic psalm. It means it's a teaching psalm or an instructional psalm. And so this is not just something that you would necessarily sing. And we understand that the, that the uh, psalms were the Hebrew songbook at one time. And what the Bible's telling us here, uh, mascal of Asaph, this is not just a psalm that you would sing, but 
But this is a psalm that ought to give great, great instruction. And so this is an instructional psalm. I don't want to go a step further than that. This is not only an instructional psalm, but I really believe that Psalm 78 is what we would call a perpetual psalm. Uh, And let me explain that if I could. Asaph here in Psalm 78 is not simply addressing his present situation. But we find here that he is addressing, he seems to be addressing generations, generations to come. Uh, Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look, if you will, at Psalm 78 and verse number four. And notice the words here. Uh, He says in verse number four, we will not hide them from, he doesn't say our children. He says, we will not hide them from their children. Then he says this, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Look down one verse. Look at Psalm 78, verse number five. He says that the generation to come, you notice the words, wording here, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them uh, to their children. I got a little ahead of myself there. Let me read Psalm 78, 5 first, and then I'll read Psalm 78, 6. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. And then verse 6, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. So this is not only an instructional psalm, but this is a perpetual psalm. And so Psalm 78 seems to be encouraging you and I to instruct our children, to instruct future generations. Now, quickly, uh, just by way of introduction, notice the reasons why. Why should we instruct future generations? Why should we reach the next generation? Well, very simply here, number one, I wrote this down, so they'll pass it on to their children. Isn't that what they said? Look at verse five again. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. In other words, I want us to teach our children and then they're going to take what we teach our children and they're going to pass it on to their children. Look at verse six again, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. So why should we teach the word of God to our kids? Why should we be, um, why should we be challenged to reach the next generation at Calvary Baptist Church? Well, this is our hope. Our hope is that we can preach the word of God to these kids and hopefully they're gonna turn around and they're gonna share it with their children and on and on and on. By the way, I wanna stop real quick and just say thank God. That's what I experienced in my life. I'm so thankful that I had uh, a godly mom and dad that passed down the word of God to me, that taught the word of God to me. And you've heard my testimony, and I won't go into all that tonight, and you've heard all my stories, but I'm thankful. Uh, and, and I understand that some of you didn't necessarily grow up like that, but you know, here's, here's the great thing about Calvary Baptist Church. Uh, Calvary Baptist Church is God giving you an opportunity to do what you never had. Uh, it's giving you an opportunity to speak into your children's life. Maybe you never had a Christian mom and dad who, who really cultivated a, a, a desire for Christ in your life. But boy, thank God you're in a, a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, and, and this is the Spirit of God uh, trying to encourage you to do it in your children's life. And I'm so thankful mom and dad did that for us. I can remember many, many a time going to my little mama. You know, I had a brother and three sisters, and man, we were... Uh, you know, we were pretty famous for fussing and fighting and, and uh, fuming. 
And uh, now mom and dad never let us get too much out of sorts, but, uh, but we would fuss about something. We'd run to mama, you know, uh, to tell on one of the others. And, and mom would, you know, almost without fail, mom would say, now, honey, the Bible says... Now, honey, the Lord Jesus told us over in, and he'd, she'd quote the book, you know, and sometimes she'd quote the verse, and she was always saying, honey, the Bible says this, and sometimes dad, I can remember dad now, often now, offering us biblical advice. I can remember dad telling us many, many a day, you'll never outgive God, son, you'll never outgive God, son. I can remember him telling that uh, many, many times. I can remember uh, my dad telling me, son, you know, I made $10 uh, mowing the churchyard, and dad would always tell me, now, son, a dollar, that belongs to the Lord, and uh, you make sure you give God what is his, and if you'll take care of what God, what's God's, God will always take care of you, and, and he would tell me that, and he would quote the verse, and, and he, was, he would always tell me, listen, God's on time, God's always on time, and, and you know what, you may not get it when you think you ought to get it, but you'll get it when God thinks you ought to get it, and he said it'll always be on time, and, and God will always take care of you. You know what they were doing? They were passing the word of God down to me, and I'm so thankful. By the way, my wife's parents did the exact same thing, and I'm so thankful that we have been able to pass down the word of God to our kids. Somebody said it like this, sermons whisper, but your testimony shouts. And that's so true, isn't it? Sermons whisper, but your testimony shouts. And and, uh, all of our kids are grown now. All of our kids are grown. We're working on, you know, we've got eight grandbabies now. And and, uh, I don't don't even know how that's true, but but it is true. Uh, And uh, boy, as our kids get older, my wife and I look back and we think, oh man, we made so many mistakes uh, in in, uh, raising our kids. But I'm thankful that one of the things that, that I do see happening with our kids is that, is that they're passing the word of God down to their children. And, and that's what it's all about. And so we want to we reach the next generation. Why? So they'll pass it on to their children, but there's something else. Not only so they'll pass it on to their children, but number two, so they'll ponder. So they'll ponder on the Lord. What do you mean, preacher? You know the reason we're to reach the next generation? So they will not forget the Lord. Now look back at your scripture again. Psalm 78, look at verse number seven. He said that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Uh, It's a sad verse. Judges chapter two and verse number 10. I'll just read it for you. The Bible says, and also that generation were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works of God which he had done for Israel. You know why we want to reach the next generation? So they won't forget God. That's why we want to do that. That's why we want to have youth activities. That's why we want to have uh, uh, build the kids' ministry center. That's why we want to have uh, children's ministry. That's why we want to take Mountain Movers Club to the, next, uh, to the next level. Why? Because we want to pour into our kids the word of God so hopefully they won't forget the Lord. Now, you say, preacher, is it really that important? And you know what, church? I really believe it is. Because I want you to notice tonight what happens when you forget the Lord. Now hold your place at Psalm 78, but I want you to turn to, I want you to turn to, uh, to Psalm, the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter nine. So turn back a few pages and look at Psalm chapter nine and look at verse number 17. What happens to those who forget the Lord? What happens to the nation, to the generation that forgets the Lord? Psalm nine, verse 17. Psalm chapter nine, verse 17. The Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. 
Now, I believe you can read that two different ways. And I've taught some of this before. I believe you can, reach that, you can preach that two different ways. Those nations that forget the Lord, they shall be turned into hell. They, their destination is going to be hell. Those that have never come to the place where they've accepted Jesus as Savior, their destination is going to be hell. They're going to be turned into hell. But I believe you can read that another way. The nation that forgets the Lord shall be turned into hell. You say, preacher, you just said the exact same thing. Yeah, but it's two different meanings. Uh, the destination will be hell for those that forget the Lord. But also, I believe you can read it like this. Those generations that forget the Lord will be turned into hell. They will become like hell. Uh, dark, what's hell? Hell's a place of darkness. Hell's a place of sadness. Hell's a place of selfishness. Hell's a place of hopelessness. Hell's a place where people are lost. And boy, how many know that 2024, we're living in a generation that knows not God and we're suffering discouragement and depression and despondency and people are lost and it seems like that nobody seems to know the way and it seems like our nation is in the worst shape that it's ever been. You say, preacher, and you know, I've noticed that. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. We have a generation that has forgotten the Lord. And when you forget God, you're turned into hell. You become like, you become like hell. Now, I want to give you tonight real quickly, and it's right here in our scripture, Psalm 78. But I want to give you some things that we're to show to the generation to come. And we're going to be gone. Look, if you will, number one, we notice we are to show them the praises of the Lord. Look at Psalm 78, verse number four. He says here, Asaph says, we will not hide them from their children. This is future generations. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come, number one, the praises of the Lord. And so we're to show our children the praises of the Lord. It's a word that means laudation, laudation. You've heard of lauding or laud, laudation. But it means this specifically, a hymn or a praise. Uh, the word praise is there in Psalm 78, 4, means a song of praise or a hymn of praise. It is music that exalts the Lord of glory. And what the Bible is teaching us here is this, that you and I are to introduce our kids to that kind of music. Music that exalts the Lord. Music that praises God. That's what the Bible's teaching there, that we're to introduce our kids to, to, to that kind of music. And, you know, and again, I, I thought about that, and I thought, wow, that makes so much sense. You know why I'm standing before you tonight? Not because of me, but because I had some people who invested in me. I had some people who trained me and who spanked me and some people who disciplined me and some people who poured into me. And, uh, and boy, thank God that I had some good godly parents and I had uh, some good godly teachers and, and, and all of that. But I thought about this. One of the things that I can remember at the Pope House when I was growing up is that predominantly the music that played around our home was always Christian music. Always. I mean, we were always, I can remember, man, I, in my mind, I can go back and even to this day, and I can remember uh, that most of the music, if not all the music that played at our house was Christian music. And I would just wonder tonight, what kind of music do you expose your children to? What kind of music are they listening to? Is it music that exalts the Lord? Is it music that praises the Lord? Is it, is it music that, it, that lauds the Lord, that lifts up the Lord, that exalts the Lord? Now, you say, Pastor, uh, is it really that big a deal? It's a mighty big deal because music has power. 
In fact, it's so important that Paul challenged the church on several different occasions. You don't have to turn now, just read it. Ephesians 5, 19. Paul said, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And again in Colossians 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now this is important. Asaph is saying this, we're to pour into our kids. We're to pour into these future generations. We're to reach the next generation. And one of the things that we're to show them is the praises, the praises of the Lord. Oh, listen, church, I know there's a lot of different styles of music out there, but listen, let, let your kids hear good music, solid music, clean music, and music that lifts up Jesus Christ and glorifies the Lord. And oh, listen, let that be the music in your home. And so we're to show them the praises of the Lord. But number two, not only the praises of the Lord, but number two, we're to show them the strength of the Lord. Look back at Psalm 78, verse 4 again. The Bible says, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. Number one, the praises of the Lord. Number two, and his strength. We're to show them his strength. That's an interesting word. It's a, it is a Hebrew word that means forcibleness. Forcibleness. And it comes from a word that means to prevail. In other words, you and I are to show our kids that Christ can give you the strength to prevail. That's what the Bible's teaching there. Philippians chapter four, verse 13 says it like this. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Romans 8, 35 says, says it like this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And Paul said, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 28, verse number eight says it like this. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Psalm 29, 11, the Lord will give strength unto his people and the Lord will bless his people with peace. Oh, listen, church, if you quit, you're gonna miss an opportunity to show the next generation his strength. That's right. Man, if you throw in the towel, if you quit on God, if you leave the will of God, you know what? You know what we're showing to this next generation? And by the way, it's happening everywhere. I mean, Christians are falling like flies and just quitting church and quitting God and quitting the Bible. And uh, you know what? We're showing the next generation. We're showing the next generation that, yeah, things are tough. And we have a God that really can't bring us through it. Listen, there needs to be a church somewhere who says to this generation that's coming up, we serve a God and he's a strong God and he's able to bring you through whatever you're going through. Strength, strength. By the way, I'm so thankful. We've seen that model at Calvary Baptist Church so many times. You know what, I, as the pastor, I guess, I'm supposed to come in here and try to inspire you. And a lot of times I show up on Sunday morning and you inspire me. And we've seen this thing of modeling that strength so many times. What are you talking about, pastor? I mean, just in the last couple years, few years, we've seen spouses who have lost a husband or a wife. We've seen parents who have lost children. 
We, we've seen people go through cancer. We've seen folks go through incredible hardships. And yet, and yet they, they have a God that gives them strength to remain faithful. And, and, uh, and you say, preacher, I'm not making a difference. Listen, if you're going through a trial, but you're staying steady and faithful and hanging in there. And, and, and you're coming and you're, you're going forward. You, you are making a difference because what you're telling this next generation is that there is a God that has the strength to bring you through. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says it like this. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so we're to show this next generation. We're to show them the praises of the Lord. We're to show them the strength of the Lord. Last of all, we're to show them the wonderful works of the Lord. Look at it with me again. Psalm 78, verse number four. Asaph says to the Israelites, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, number one, and his strength, number two. And then he says, and his wonderful works that he hath done. That word works, interesting word there in the Hebrew. It means by implication to be great. It goes a little further and it means this, things too high. So you can sort of read it like this. We're to show the generation to come the praises of the Lord. We're to show them his strength. And we're to show them things that are just too high. Things that we can't accomplish on our own. And I thought about, when I read that, I thought about Isaiah 55 and verse number eight, where the prophet Isaiah said about the Lord, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Oh, listen, we ought to share with our kids that there are some things that only God can do. By the way, just in case you're wondering, you're sitting in one of them today. That's right. You know, the great thing about Calvary Baptist Church, no man can take the glory for this place. Only God could do what God has done at the Calvary Baptist Church we're living in a world that, and you know I'm telling you the truth tonight, we're living in a world that wants to explain away everything that, that God does. They're wanting to belittle all, his, all of his marvelous works. And so it's no longer creation. Now it's evolution. First I was an amoeba when I began to begin. Then it was a tadpole and the tail tucked in. Then it was a monkey in a coconut tree. And now I'm a professor with a PhD. And they're trying to tell our kids that, you know what, God really didn't have anything to do with it. And, and really what we are, what, what all of us are, we're just a big cosmic mistake. That's all we are. We're not created by God. And when you begin to teach a generation that kind of junk, that means anything goes. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in our generation today. It's no longer creation, now it's evolution. It's no longer salvation, but now it's resolution. Just do better and you'll make it to heaven. It's no longer transformation, but education. And if we can educate society, you know what? That'll make us better. But what we need to do at Calvary Baptist Church is we need to show our kids that, you know what? There are some things that only God can do. Man cannot do these things. Somebody said it like this. He was, a help, he was born a helpless baby, yet he flung the planets into space. He lay in a manger, yet the cattle on a thousand hills are his own. He was tempted, tested, and tried, yet he could not sin because he was God. He worked in a carpenter shop and lived among humble folk, 
Yet he could turn the water into wine and feed the multitudes by his mighty power. He lay in the bottom of a boat asleep on a pillow, yet he arose to still the tempest. He was the man of sorrows, weeping with others and shedding tears of agony in the garden of Gethsemane. Yet he turned heartaches into rejoicings when he raised the dead and gave them back to their loved ones. He died and was buried in lifeless corpse, yet he arose in triumph by the power of the Holy Spirit. He never started a college, yet he has multitudes of dedicated students. He never marshaled an army, yet he has thousands and tens of thousands of soldiers. He wrote a book some 2,000 years ago, yet today it still remains on the top of the best booksellers list in the world. I'm talking about there is a God that only can do what God can do. Hey, listen, I'm just telling you, man, that's what we need to pass on to this next generation. There is a God, and he's a powerful God. He's an almighty God. He's an omnipotent God. Someone said he spoke the worlds into existence. We serve a God who will have no ending. But may I remind us, he had no beginning. He came when there was nowhere to come from. And coming from nowhere, he stood on nothing. And the reason he had to stand on nothing, there was nowhere for him to stand. And standing on nothing, he reached out where there was nowhere to reach and caught something. When there was nothing to catch and hung something on nothing and told it to stay there. And somebody said the same God that's able to turn nothing into something is the same God that's able to take a good for nothing nobody and turn him into somebody to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Amen. He's the same God that can make a wise man sick, uh, that can make a sick man well, an ignorant man wise, the bad man good, a good man better, and even a dead man alive in Jesus Christ. I'm done. But I thought about this. He's the same God that formed the stars of the universe. But he didn't just form them, he named them. Psalm 147, 4 says, he telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. He didn't just put the stars in the universe. He knows them by name. He placed the sun some 93 million miles away from the earth. The sun is so big, if you open up the sun and poured in 500,000 earths and shook it, it'd sound like a baby rattle with all those earths rattling around. The sun is so far, if you got in your car and drove 100 miles per hour to the sun, it'd still take you 106 years to get there. And yet, just like I did, some of you walked out today and you felt this warmth on your face. And you say, preacher, how can something be 93 million miles away and yet I felt its warmth? I'll tell you why. There's a God. And only God can do so many things. Only God can do powerful things like that thought about the old story. There was a dad that wanted to describe to his son just how big God's love was. And so one day he got his son and he said, son, we're gonna take a hike. He said, we're gonna pack a lunch and get our backpacks together. And he said, we're gonna hike up here on top of this big mountain. And, and sure enough, they did that. And they got up there and he said, I, he said, son, I want you to understand how big our God is. And I want you to understand how big his love is. And so he got his little boy on the top of the mountain. He said, son, he said, I want you to look in that direction. And he said, as far, as far as you can see in that direction. He said, man, that's how big God is. And that's how big God's love is. And he did that in every direction. He said, son, I want you to look in that direction, in that direction, in that direction. And I want you to look as far as you can look. And he said, as far as your eyes can see. He said, that's how big, that's how big God is and how big his love is.
And after he did that, his little boy got a big smile on his face and he looked at his daddy and he said, Daddy, you know what that means? That means we're right smack dab in the middle of God's love. Hey, church, I'm glad I can tell you he's a big God. And you're right smack dab in the middle of the love of God. Hey, let's reach the next generation. Man, let's, uh, let's do what we can. Let's start a new Bible club. Man, let's get children's ministry off the ground. Let's get it going. Man, let's, let's see our youth department explode with growth. Let's see, uh, let's see children's church just do miraculous things. And, and uh, man, let's just see God do great, great things. Do we need to do it, preacher? I believe we do. I believe we need to reach the next generation. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we love you. And thank you so much for the privilege to be here tonight. Oh, God, I pray that as we begin this brand new year in 2024, God, that you'd burden our hearts for reaching people like never before. And God, I pray that you'd help us, Father, to reach this next generation. And God, I pray that we'd be careful to pour into them the word of God, to show them how great our God really is, to teach them the praises of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, and the wonderful works of our great God. And God, I pray that this year, 2024, would be a year of great change. I'm talking about changed lives. God, I pray that many would come to know the Lord. God, do that. Grant that, please. God, give us souls. God, give us souls every week. God, I pray that converts will be baptized. Lord, I pray that the disciples would be multiplied. Lord, I pray that, God, that, you'd, you, that you'd, you'd lead us and that you'd show us what we need to do and when we need to do it and which way we need to go. And God, I pray that you'd give, give us wisdom. And oh, Spirit of God, I pray that you'd clear the way. And then I pray that you'd pave the way. And God, help us to be yielded to the Spirit of God. Lord, it could be that some folks that are seated here tonight, their kids will be saved in 2024. It could be there's some grandparents here tonight. Their grandkids are going to be saved in 2024. God, it could be that some mamas and daddies are going to come to know the Lord in 2024. I pray that's true. God, I pray it's true. Let it be true. God, I pray again that you put a hedge around this work. Oh, God. And I pray that you'd protect us. And Heavenly Father, I pray we'd be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God. God, help us tonight. Bless in this invitation. There could be somebody here tonight that needs to, to come and pray. It could be somebody here tonight that needs to be saved. God, it could be there's somebody here tonight that's burdened about the next generation. God, it could be there's somebody here tonight that's burdened about their children. Lord, maybe you're working in somebody's heart that, God, they need to work with the youth at Calvary. God, could be many things. But I pray that you'd have your way during this invitation. And Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you stand with us tonight all over the house? And if you're here tonight and uh, there's something on your heart and you need to come, listen, the altars are open. Some have come. Maybe there's others that ought to step out. 
Maybe you have some children that are lost. Maybe you have some grandkids that are lost. Maybe God's been dealing with your heart about working with the youth. And, and you say, you know, Pastor, I don't really feel like I'm good at some things, but I think I could, you know, I think I could, I think I could help with the Bible club. I, I, I think I could, could serve in the youth department. I, I think I, God's given me patience. I believe I could do that. That's, I think that's an area where God could use me. And so while we pause, just for a moment tonight, if you need to come and join these, you come. Now, if you're here this evening and you're lost, whatever you do, don't you leave this place tonight without letting us take a Bible and show you how you can know Jesus as Savior. Would you come while we wait? Father, I pray that you'd bless these that are in the altars this evening. God, I don't know what they're coming about, but I know you do. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you might give them the very desires of their hearts, save their family members, use them this coming year, Lord, to make a difference for the cause of Christ. God, have your way, have your way. Save the lost, I pray. And God, we just thank you and praise you for your goodness. In Jesus' name.